course, this is the moment when my phone decides to flip to another Bible reading. <coughs> we won't worry about that. Good morning. My name's Andrea, and we're going to read James 4, verses 13 through 17. Um, it's a really quick one, so find it now. It's good to read along. Um, but before we start reading, let's talk to God. Dear Lord, we just thank you that we will be able to spend some time on this last day of the year hearing from you, thinking on the thoughts that you have, Lord, being in your word. That's a huge privilege and help us not to take it for granted. Lord, we thank you for James and for his ability to unpack it and help us to understand it. So, Lord, I open our ears and our hearts so that we can really understand what you have for us in this passage. And, Lord, thank you for 2023. There's been great times. There's been hard times. Lord, help us to lean more into you as we commence 2024. We pray this now in Jesus' name and by the power of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Okay, so James chapter 4, starting at verse 13. Now listen, you who say, today or tomorrow we will go to this or that city, spend a year there, carry on business and make money. Why? Do you not even know that what, hap what will happen tomorrow? What is your life? You are a mist that appears for a little while and then vanishes. Instead, you ought to say, if it is the Lord's will, we will live and do this or that. As it is, you boast in your arrogant schemes. All such boasting is evil. If anyone, then, knows the good they ought to do and doesn't do it, <clears throat> it is a sin for them. Alrighty. Well, good morning again. Uh, kids, thank you so much. Those who uh, wrote this in, if you've got one still and you want to deliver it to the front, there might still be time. I can probably sneak that one in. All right. But we are talking about godly goals this morning. Uh, and like I said, I, I wanted to start with some fun here with the kids. Uh, so the question we asked there roughly is, what do you think your parents would want to change or do better at in 2024? Uh, some of the results that have come in, uh, less TV cleaning the house more, and no messy rooms. It's good. Kids, you know, I think most, most parents are probably happy with that. Oh, I like this one. Uh, to hurt less after running or riding. It's <laughs> great. Uh, oh, that we find a good church in Bunbury and that we get a swimming pool, I hope. Uh, nice. Uh, let's see. To try to sing less when Backstreet Boys or Taylor Swift comes on Spotify or the radio. <laughs> And to get smart. Ooh, ouch, burn. All right. Uh, let me have more screen time. Good luck, kid. Um, oh, this is another good one. I think you want to change the type of jeans you wear. Uh, <laughs> amazing. Uh, stop arguing, okay? Uh, stop having my kids outsmart me. I think that's from my children. Um, us do all the jobs. Dogs that don't bark. Tidy up after ourselves. I'm seeing a theme here, kids. 
Uh, less random stuff to talk about in the sermon. I, again, I don't think that was my kids this time. I don't know what's going on there. Uh, clean my room, stop fighting with my brother. Okay, good. I think, guys, that we get some insight there into some of the things that we think the kids think of when we think about making changes in our life and all that sort of stuff. I wonder, uh, for those grown-ups here who might be thinking about 2024 and looking forward, what sort of changes that you guys are thinking about making? Uh, there was a survey done just here before Christmas, sort of looking people, looking, getting people to think about their New Year's resolutions. These are some of the top responses uh, here for Australians. Uh, eating more healthy. I spent a long time looking at that, trying to figure out whether it was meant to be eat more healthily or eat healthier. Anyway, uh, eat more healthy, improve fitness, lose weight. I feel like these three are sort of going together uh, a lot here. I'm not going to have any resolutions. That was almost a quarter of people here. Sleeping more, travel overseas, being more sustainable environmentally. I looked that up, that's what that question was about. Renovate the house, work less, change job, start meditating, find love, and quitting a bunch of things uh, down here. Now, you might look at that and you think that's interesting, there's no financial goals. Uh, that's because that gets an entire category all of its own uh, in the Australian mindset. So, saving more money and spending less money, I think that's the same thing. I could be wrong. Um, so, I might want to add them together there. Uh, reducing expenses, I think, is the same thing again. Uh, investing more, no financial goals, find ways to increase earnings, all this sort of stuff. Lots of things going on there. So these are the sorts of things that Australians are thinking about at the moment. Uh, and you can see, lots of it's about health, lots of it is about the way that we live, lots of it is about finances and that sort of stuff. Uh, but for those of us who are you know, following after Jesus, who care about uh, the Lord and what he wants, what does it look like for us to make godly goals? What does it look like to make godly plans for the future? Now, to help us answer that question, we're going to look at this passage that Andrea read out for us this morning. I won't read it out all again, uh, but it's just these verses here. It's not a long passage, uh, but there's a lot of wisdom here for us. Let me just give you a little bit of context, okay? Whenever we read the Bible, we always want to understand that passages don't just exist in a vacuum. They exist in the context of the letter or the genre that they're written in. So this comes from a letter of James, one of Jesus' followers, the brother of the Lord, okay, who was there with him from the beginning. And he wrote it to the 12 tribes of Israel scattered across the nation. So he's writing to these Jewish guys across all of the ancient nations that they were in. And James is concerned about things like being doers of the word, not just hearers. Uh, he's concerned about issues that affect rich and poor people. And he's really concerned about believers having faith in the midst of trials and suffering. And one thing about James is he's very, uh, to uh, make up a word, proverby. Okay? In the way that he writes, it feels a lot like if you're reading the book of Proverbs. It's lots of sayings and exhortations uh, that sort of you know, are designed to be wisdom ideas. So one example from chapter 1 says, Believers in humble circumstances ought to take pride in their high position, but the rich should take pride in their humiliation, since they will pass away like a wildflower. For the sun rises with scorching heat and withers the plant. Its blossom fails and its beauty is destroyed. In the same way, the rich will fade away even when they go about their business. All right, that contrasting idea, looking at the world around us, gaining wisdom from it, that's a very proverb sort of idea. Same thing from chapter 2. What good is it, my brothers and sisters, if someone claims to have faith but has no deeds, can such faith save them? Suppose a brother or a sister is without clothes and daily food. If one of you says to them, go in peace, keep warm and well fed, but does nothing about their physical needs, what good is it? In the same way, faith by itself, 
if it is not accompanied by action, is death. Talking about the, how our faith should result in some sort of transformation. If we say that we believe in God, but we don't do anything about it, then how good is our faith really? What's its value? How about this one from chapter 3? Who is wise and understanding among you? Let them show it by their good life, by deeds and in doing, in, in doing sorry, by deeds done in the humility that comes from wisdom. But if you harbor bitter envy and selfish ambition in your hearts, not boast about it or deny the truth. Such wisdom does not come from heaven, but it's earthly, unspiritual, demonic. For where you have envy and selfish ambition, there you find disorder and every evil practice. So James is really concerned about how we live, and particularly, I think that's a good understanding for the, for the context of the passage we're looking at this morning is, he wants wealthy Christians, he's very concerned about how the, wealth live, how the wealthy live, he wants them to be faithful believers, to be truly wise, and humble and selfless. And that's, that's kind of the context that we find our passage in this morning. So now that we've got a little bit of understanding about this letter and what James is trying to do, uh, let's work through this passage a little bit more slowly. So he says here, to start with our passage, now listen, okay, you who say, today or tomorrow, we will go to this or that city, spend a year there, carry on business, and make money. All right, so he really wants them to pay attention. He's got this now listen moment. He's been writing to them for a while. This is chapter four. But he says to them, now listen, pay attention to this. This is important. All right, and he's talking to those believers who are saying things like, this, okay, believers who are talking about these sorts of things. Today or tomorrow, we will go and we'll spend a year there. He's talking to people who have flexibility in how they're going to live. Okay, they can go this day, this day, or they go this day or that day, they can go to this city or that city. These are people with means and flexibility to plan how they want to live in accordance with their desires, okay? And when we talk about people with flexibility, oftentimes we're talking about people with wealth who aren't just at the whim of others' commands and orders, but have a certain degree of freedom themselves given to them by their station in life. And more specifically, again, he's talking to a people that have plans and a certain certainty about how they are going to make money in the future. Now, so money's kind of in the background here. It's not, it's not the big issue. These are the sorts of people he's speaking to. But we're going to see he's got a broader point that he wants to make about the future and planning. And that future point is this. The future is not guaranteed. So he says next, why you do not even know what will happen tomorrow? You guys are making these plans. You're going to say, we're going to move to this city or that city. Maybe we'll leave tomorrow. Maybe we'll leave the next day. I'm not sure exactly what we're going to do, but we're going to move. We're going to carry on business. We're going to make money. We've got our plans, and we're going to see them through. And he says to them, but you don't even know what tomorrow is going to bring. How can you be so certain in the plans that you are making? And he says to them, what is your life? Now, remember, he's talking to people that are clearly pretty comfortable in their station. They've got wealth. They can go this day or that day. They can go to this city or that city. They've got choice before them. All right? There's a certain stability to their lives. And he says to them, what is your life? You are a mist that appears for a little while and then vanishes. This is another very proverby sort of idea. When you go back and read the book of Proverbs in the Old Testament, you see that this idea of life being like vapor 
of the grass growing and withering and fading is a reoccurring theme, and we've already seen that James leans into this himself, doesn't he? That, that part there from chapter 1 that we saw. They will pass away like a wild flower, the rich will. The blossom fails and its beauty is destroyed. The rich will fade away even while they go about their business. James is concerned that these wealthy people, in the flexibility that their wealth has given them, in the independence that they experience, in the seeming stability of their lives, that they have forgotten the reality that their life is actually like mist. It comes and it goes. And so we can see that the way that they're living is operating under this false assumption about the independence and flexibility and security that they perceive themselves to enjoy when the reality is that that's not actually what human life is. It's a mist that comes and goes. And so he says to them, instead of living like that, instead of this certainty about the future that you seem to be living with, you should do it a different way. And so he says, instead you ought to say, if it is the Lord's will, we will live and do this or that. Key phrase being, if it is the Lord's will. What he wants them to have is humility before God in making all plans. James is really concerned about the sin of pride. He's really concerned about those who operate in such a way where they think that they are in control of everything that is going to happen. And we won't look at this too much, but he's also very critical of the wealthy who in their pride see themselves as being better than those who are poor, than those who have less than them. He said just a few verses before this one in chapter 4, verse 10, humble yourselves before the Lord and he will lift you up. But the key thing here, the key idea that he's working with here is what it looks like to look to the future. That's why we're looking at this on New Year's Eve, right? This is a time when lots of us look forward, we make plans. And that's the specific thing that he's trying to address here. What does it mean to be a believer and address plans for the future? Uh, Let me show you a photo here. Uh, This is from a trip that my family uh, took to Darwin in 2015 when I was finishing up Bible college and we were trying to figure out what we were going to be doing and what uh, God's plan might be for us going forward. Okay? So those of you that know my children, you can figure out which ones are there. Technically, AJ is sort of in the photo. He's, he's inside Fiona there uh, at this point in time. But I want to talk to you about the guy at the back there, this, this handsome-looking man who's also this guy over here. Uh, his name is Greg Anderson. Uh, he was one of my lecturers at college, and he's now the, the bishop of the Northern Territory. And he's just a dear friend. I love this guy to bits. Just a, a wonderful, wonderful, faithful model of what it looks like to follow Jesus. But the first time that I actually had any contact with Greg, it was with these emails that he would send out at college because he used to organize the, the chaplaincy uh, sessions, like our, our chapel, right? where each week we'd go along to chapel uh, with a small group of guys or girls, that sort of stuff, and we'd worship together. And he'd send out these emails with what was coming up. And he used to do this thing, and I thought, ugh, this is so lame and kind of religious-y and all that sort of thing. This, remember, this, I'd never met him in person before, but he used to always use this phrase in his emails. Dear friends, our guests at Monday Mission and Ministry out next week, should the Lord tarry, will be Rob Smith. Dear friends, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday this week will be, should the Lord tarry, all in chapels. 
this will especially be helpful for students who are leaving college at the end of the year, but it's designed to be useful for everybody, not to mention that God willing, and should the Lord tarry, you'll be exiting students at some stage. And when I hadn't met him yet, I thought, ugh, like, yes, I know it's theologically true, but it is so lame to include this in all your plannings for, like, next week, right? <laughs> and then you read James, and you're like, <clears throat> sorry, yeah. See, what Greg got and still gets on, on just the most profound level is that we want to consistently and constantly be living in the theological truth that God has given us. And that is that for all of us, the future, in so many ways, is uncertain. And that we make these plans, we look forward to what's to come, but we never forget that the Lord is the one who is in control of all things. And particularly for Greg, you know, the Lord could come back anytime. That would have been amazing, right? I felt like that last one. Amazing. <laughs> But this is the thing, what James is trying to get these wealthy Christians in his time to do is to recognize that while their wealth has given them flexibility and the sense of independence and the sense of certainty and planning for the future, that they need to slow down and realize that it is the Lord who's in control of all things and we have no idea what's going to happen tomorrow. It's something that we should all know fairly well, right? I mean, COVID wasn't that long ago. And yet it's so easy for us to slip into because of all the things that we have that give us these stable lives and that sort of stuff to just assume that we can plan and be in control of what's going to happen. So James says, this is what you're doing when you're not living as you ought to do, when you're not living with this understanding. He says, as it is, you boast in your arrogant schemes. All of this type of boasting, all... Such boasting is evil. Now, it's important to recognize here, he's not, say, he's not saying planning is a sin. Planning is not a sin. But planning as though there is no God is. These arrogant boasting, this, this attitude towards the future that, that I'm in control, if you're making plans without thinking about the Lord, this is problematic. And so he finishes by saying, if anyone then knows the good that they ought to do and doesn't do it, it is a sin for them. Now that word then, just so we're clear, it has really more of a sense of, of therefore, and you'll see in some translations that that's how they, they do it here, because he's drawing a really strong link, okay, between what he said back in verse 15 and now in verse 17. In verse 15 he said, instead you ought to say, if it is the Lord's will, we will live and do this or that. If anyone, therefore, knows the good they ought to do and doesn't do it, it's a sin for them. Now, to be fair, those two oughts, that's, that's an English translation. That, that word's not quite there in, in the Greek. But I think it's getting at the parallel idea between these two ideas. There is a thing that you ought to do. You ought to be planning with everything in mind that it's the, if it's the Lord's will, then these plans may come to pass. And if you, if you don't do this good that you ought to do, plan with the Lord in mind, then it's, it's a sin for them. It's a sin if we know to plan humbly before God, but don't. That if those of us who know that the Lord is real, those of us who know that there is a God above, if we start to live with a certain arrogance 
and certainty about what is going to come to pass in the future. If we start to make up our own plans and dreams and ambitions without thinking about the Lord and His will, then that for us is sinful. So the answer to our, next, our, our first question, what are godly goals? Godly goals are those that are made humbly before God. The best plans for the future are those that think about what is the Lord's will in this. And so therefore making godly goals means making our plans for the future with God in mind. Now again, just so we're clear, there's no problem with planning. This is not meant to say that because everything is in the Lord's hand, that therefore we shouldn't plan or that we shouldn't look forward. We can find other proverby sort of sayings in the Bible that encourage us to do that. Put your outdoor work in order, get your fields ready, after that build your house, okay? Looking forward, making a plan, following it through, that's all good. Jesus himself said, suppose one of you wants to build a tower, won't you first sit down and estimate the cost to see if you have enough money to complete it, okay? There's no problem with looking forward, but as Proverbs 16.3 says, in their, human, in their hearts, humans plan their course, but the Lord establishes their steps. So I don't know how many of you are, are planners and particularly ambitious in goal setting and all that sort of stuff. Uh, it, it's probably not everybody here, but I'm sure that as we look at this list of all the sorts of things that Australians are thinking about at the moment, we, we probably have some sense of these things. And this is the thing. I, I don't think any of these are really bad. All right, if I really wanted to get Christian nerdy about it, I'd be like, start meditating on the Word of God. But apart from that, you know, it, these are all helpful, healthy sorts of things, right? But as we plan for these things, we want to make sure that we're not just working at these things at the expense of really thinking through the fact that the Lord is in control of all things, that these goods all need to be submitted to His plans. Let's listen to the words of Jesus himself. From Matthew 6. Why do you worry about clothes? See how the fields, the flowers of the field grow? They do not labor or spin. Yet I tell you that not even Solomon in all his splendor was dressed like one of these. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, will he not much more clothe you, you of little faith? So do not worry saying, what should we eat, or what should we drink, or what should we wear? For the pagans run after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Therefore do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. Now, notice again there, he's not saying don't plan He's saying, don't worry about tomorrow. Don't have anxiety about what is to come. And so there's two sides of the coin here when it comes to looking forward. On one side, we don't want to be so certain about everything because of our financial stability, because of the independence that we enjoy, because of the choices that are available to us. We don't want to be so arrogant as to think that because we have some stability, therefore we're in control of everything. But at the same time, he doesn't want us to be anxious about things either because what he's saying is that if we trust in the Lord, if we plan for the future in accordance with what the Lord teaches us, then we can rest easy in the present today. 
Because the, the very fact that Jesus' death and resurrection has now occurred does give us certainty for the future. The certainty for the future that we have absolutely is what God has promised us, and that is that everyone who believes and trusts in the Lord Jesus, who confesses with their mouth that Jesus is Lord and believes in their heart that God raised him from the dead, then you are certain to be saved and be with God into eternity. That is the rock-solid promise that we can plan for the future on no matter what. But most other things in this world are up for grabs. And as we look forward, we're not to do so with anxiety, we're not to do so with arrogance, but we're to do so wisely thinking about what is it that the Lord wants us to be doing. So again, some of you look at that and you're like, you just get motivated, you see the post-it notes in the different colors and you start thinking, yeah, I'm going to make some plans, I'm so excited. Others of you look at that and you're like, ugh, that's the worst thing ever. But this is the thing, we, we do all look forward. Whether it's in vague sort of terms or whether it's really deliberately with a type A personality, thinking about what you're going to achieve. At this time of year, we're all sort of looking forward in one way or another. And we want to do so with the Lord in mind. It's a good thing to plan to get fitter, to get healthier, all that sort of stuff. But I do so knowing that, you know what, the Lord could throw something at me tomorrow that might derail those plans. And if that's the case, I'm going to humbly seek to serve him still in the midst of whatever comes. Can have these financial goals and these things that we're planning for and, and all this sort of stuff, but you know what? If that fails, I want to make sure that I understand that all of my plans were just that, my plans, and that the Lord will be in charge no matter what. There's, there's multiple people here who had plans for 2024 that were completely derailed by, by health. There's multiple people here that have plans for their retirement that have been derailed by financial problems and, and chaos caused by COVID and other stuff. And so we just want to make sure that we at all times recognize that as we make our plans, we are being mindful and thinking about the Lord. I'll finish with just this last final anecdote. Um, we, we, many of you guys know we, we just bought a house. We've been here for two years in Brisbane now, and we just bought a house, and we're, we're really excited about it. And we're looking forward to all these different things. And, and I just, I, I felt it, and maybe this is why it's been on my heart, but I think that this is, you know, a broader thing for all of us. You make these big purchases, you make these big plans and all that sort of stuff, but there's still this, you know, things can just change. And, and as excited as we are as planning for all this sort of stuff, I've just been reminded again lately that, that sometimes things will just, just switch. And I never want my hope in the things of this world, I never want my hope in my plans to be confused in my own mind to think that this is what God owes me or he's promised me. And to always remember that my plans are just that, my plans, but that no matter what the Lord brings me, I want to seek to serve him well. So my encouragement for all of us this morning is make your plans for 2024. Look to make good plans. Look to include God in your plans. As you think about what you want to do this year, absolutely get fitter, but you know what? Also get more hospitable. As you look to make your plans, yes, look to invest and save money wisely, but look to get more generous. As you look to make plans this year, think about what it looks like for you to have more work-life balance, but don't forget about what it looks like to serve in the house of the Lord at the same time. Make all your plans with God in mind, but, but at the same time, make all of your plans, knowing that they are just yours, but that no matter what, God is in control and we can trust him in whatever he brings us. Let's pray. Father God, thank you so much for the Lord Jesus and all the certainty that he's brought to us in the gospel. Thank you for the hope that he's brought to us. 
Thank you that we have now complete certainty in the hope because of your death and resurrection, that you've conquered death and that all who believe and trust in you, we know that we'll be with you into eternity. And we ask, Father, that you would help all of us to, to live well for you, that as we look forward, we would only humbly hold on to our own plans, recognizing that it's you who establish our steps. That, Father, we wouldn't fall into the trap of, of failing to include you in our plans or, or failing to be certain because of our own sense of security or even in getting anxious and worried. But rather, Lord, we look forward wisely, knowing that we can trust you in all things. And we pray, Father, as we do this, that we as a church community would serve you well in 2024, no matter what you may bring us. And we thank you for this in Jesus' name. Amen.